A moment of silence, please, first, for the five episodes that are now lost. Yeah, so this is a bit awkward, isn't it? Welcome to episode 43 of the Wildcast, and for once I'm being given the hosting reins, mainly because I haven't seen a hockey game in five weeks. I'm joined this week by our usual fearless leader who has had his own issues, Ben Callahan. Ben, how are you? Hello, we're back. Yeah, no, I'm all good. Um, I have recovered from COVID now, so I am buzzing to get back in a rink this weekend. And yeah. also equally as excited to be back on a podcast. Yeah, what is this? How do we do this again? This is all very weird. Yeah, I can't remember how it works. There was a third one of us, wasn't there? There was, and he has actually survived his trial by po- podcast hosting from, again, five weeks ago somehow now, and he's come out of it with somewhat flying colours. Tom Graham, you've returned and you've managed to survive five weeks without saying anything controversial. I know, I know. People probably wonder what had happened to me. I haven't, you know, annoyed anyone for five weeks, and yeah, you know, had, you know, my own COVID situation, so yeah, great. Managed to survive that, which is which was fun um yeah and yeah i think we've got plenty to talk about today but first how are you joe <laughs> let's be let's be honest <laughs> yeah let, let, let's address the rather large elephant in the room which was again people listening to this won't be able to see what we have on our popular video conferencing software i'm in a different place than i usually record and this all stems back to why we haven't recorded an episode in five weeks so I believe the last time we recorded was just before the Cup semi-final. I think it's about the 11th of February. And the weekend after, when we were trying to come up with a date to record it, neither of us were available on our usual recording dates. And by the time we came around to doing it on the Wednesday, yeah, my landlord died. <laughs> I know I shouldn't laugh at this, but it's kind of awkward when you find out your landlord's been diddling your finances and the rent you've been paying him for the last four years and you're essentially made homeless um yeah that was weird so i most people might have seen it on now on twitter i know tom and ben saw it i put a thing saying out it's like i'm not going to be around for a few weeks thinking everything would carry on as normal um just move on with on without me i know we had an interview planned with someone who we're hoping will be on next week Obviously, there was a ton of games for you two to cover. That was my thinking behind it. And the time the next week came around, Tom, you got COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's been a um, a fun few weeks as well. I had COVID and, yeah, wasn't particularly well for a week or two. and didn't really feel like recording. Um, and I think, we've, you know, Ben and I made the decision that it really wasn't worth trying to carry on with you're not here, me having COVID. So then we thought, well, it's fine. I'll, I'll be better in a week or so. Joe might be back, but Joe might not be back. But even if I'm better, um, um, then, yeah, that that would be, you know, fine. And we'd carry on with two of us, as was the initial plan, just to keep things ticking over. And then, you know, other things happened. Um, ben? <laughs> it was my turn. Just as Tom was beginning to feel better, I think we managed to make it to to two games. Uh, yeah, there I was. Didn't exactly feel brilliant. I wasn't, you know, completely, you know, bedridden. But 
yeah, as you do, do a test and bam, two line time. It was my turn. So that then put it back about another week or another couple of weeks. And then we, at that point, you know, we were ready to roll. Um, and we're back. Yeah, so it's just by a miracle coincidence that our run of abandoning the podcast and not being able to record shows coincided with, you know, the Wildcats playing rubbish. Um, It's a happy coincidence, let's call it that, but we're back now and, you know, various COVID cases aside, Ben being the most recent one, Tom being the man who killed Scratch over the last few weeks, and me going from, yeah, homelessness to being in a new place so let's actually talk you know ice hockey in a bit tom because just also there's the irony that just before we go into ice hockey obviously you did post that message on twitter to kind of explain why you were going to be missing episodes you haven't actually missed an episode missed you were on episode. the last episode that was that, that we put out and you're on this one so I, tried, how, I tried to do the nice thing. I tried oh. to do the nice thing and let you two carry on. I didn't get in the way of me not being here and you two go on without me kind of thing. And no, you two both managed to make a complete mess of it. I was going to say, we had the intention to, uh, to, to do it. I think we, we kind of agreed that we could have and decided against doing that first week purely because we could not find the time to, to sit down and do it. And then, yeah, and then, like we just said, everything happened. So, yeah. But it, hey, feels like that, it feels like that Harry Potter meme, you know, the McGonagall staring at them. It's like, why is it when something happens, it's always you three? Yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. literally. Right then. Should we get, should we so, get going, Joe? <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's do it this way. So, first off, we're going to talk over the one big bit of news that we missed. Because, let's face it, by the time you're listening to this, most of the news that we would have covered over the last five weeks is now out of date apart from one. And that is the news that the Bristol Pitbulls are going into the National League next year. They've somewhat made the choice to go up, thanks to the IHA, and packing out their brand new, spanking new, shiny rinking Cribs Causeway out for now six games in a row sellouts with 1,600 fans. I'd argue they could get more in, because having been there on Sunday, there's a lot of empty seats. Um, But yeah, boys, a local derby from next year, the Bristol Pitbulls. I mean, my first thought is I'm looking forward to a either a Saturday or a Sunday road trip where I'm home potentially before 10 o'clock. That's a yeah. big bonus. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we talked earlier on this season about rivalry and, you know, what is a rivalry? You know, Swindon MK is not a rivalry, um, whatever, whatever, whichever team, you know. I don't know, Basingstoke-Telford isn't a rivalry and they would never claim it was, but, you know, Swindon-Bristol... That's a local rivalry. That's you know, it's a local rivalry, rivalry in other sports. Yeah, it's it's a local rivalry in football. It's you know a local rivalry elsewhere. You know that is that is going to be a battle. That is you know our ver- probably our version of Basingstoke and the Bees. If you look it's at it that way, the hundred percent our version of Peterborough MK, isn't it? Peterborough MK, yeah. And there's going to be crossover with the playing staff. You'd imagine. You'd imagine there are going to be Swindon links in that Bristol roster. Um, going forwards i think it's gonna be a bit i mean talking about let's talk about let's put the rivalry aside for a second it's gonna it's really good news for the national league to have a new team a genuinely new team at this level come in um a a new rink for us all and yeah it's gonna be really interesting to see what the pitbulls do um you know they've they've not 
they've been packing out the rink for weeks and weeks, which is great to see. And, you know, that's going to be hopefully something they can carry on in the National League. It'd be really interesting to see what kind of roster decisions they make because with the greatest respect to the pitfalls, and I know this has been mentioned by other other people around British hockey, they've been mid-table this year in South 1. So like, you've got to imagine they've got some new additions coming to the roster. Um, but yeah, it's really good. It's really exciting. And yeah, I mean, fair play to the Hargreaves brothers because they've done an unbelievable job to keep that club alive for you know 10 years of, without a rink. And now they've got one and they're able to make that move up into second tier. It's exciting. It kind of goes back to three, four, five years ago when the when the EPL folded and the that summer of upheaval and there was the talk that Oxford were going to be joining the same league as Swindon and everyone kind of got excited by the prospect of uh, an A420 derby as it kind of is known in the football world and, and the, the local kind of world. Okay, it's not Oxford, but yeah, Bristol is probably even bigger and even better. And yeah, like you said, fantastic work from the Hargreaves brothers and everyone involved to keep that club going as long as they did without a rink it's it's crazy you could, there's there's history in in british hockey of other clubs that haven't had rinks that have not survived as long as they did uh and yeah to now get that shot at the national level is fantastic for them it's fantastic for the league um and it's yeah fantastic for the future i know joe and i were talking before we started recording tonight that like yeah it's going to be tough for them you know having to go to places like Leeds and Sheffield it's going to be a long way but the position of that rink it's it's right next to a massive shopping centre which is going to be great it's going to attract footfall it's right on the motorway it's it's going to make getting to those places long but generally quite easy and it's going to be great I mean I mean in terms of going to places like Sheffield and Leeds yeah it's a long way but equally Bristol is so well connected it's probably not as bad a journey as it makes that it's probably no it's probably harder for them to get somewhere like Peterborough, to be honest, than it is, or Romford, than it is to Sheffield, because that is straight up a motorway, effectively. So it's a really great location for, for National League hockey. And it's obviously a really big city as well. There's plenty of, you know, there's plenty of people there to try and bring in, which they're showing at the moment. And yeah, it'll be really interesting. And uh, yeah, like I say, it's hopefully going to be really good for the league. It... It, it puts lots of question marks over the other team who people thought were probably going to be coming back next year um, in Hull. And there seems to be a bit of radio silence on that one from from Hull, um, which is a shame, but yeah. yeah there, there is a story about that that's doing the rounds, but again, that's sort of an unsubstantiated rumour at the moment. Yeah, exactly. touch on here no. until something is a bit more concrete. Um, I will say this, obviously, again, I was in Bristol at the time you were listening to this last Sunday for Southampton game against the Devils, obviously. It has the potential to be a very good rink. It, you can still, you can tell it's still, you know, well, it's only been open four or five months now. Yeah. There's still, there's still a few teething issues there. There's some bits that are still just sort of unpractical as in usual hockey rinks, but it has the thing that, that most teams would kill for at this level and I'd say even it's the ability to have 2,000 seats in the rink or 2,000 people. There's a walkway at the back of the rink. There's places to stand down at the front. That <laughs> You could tell they're still finishing bits off, but they obviously want to wait for the end of this season to do those as well. There is what appears to be... It looks like it's potentially like a large conference room type area. I don't know what it is. It's sort of on the 
top floor, second floor of the building. Um, there's a walkway. They've been doing the interviews there from with FTA Sport. But there's clearly something there that should be going in over the off season. Um, it's the usual planet ice rink. It's not actually cold, which is a change for Basingstoke. Um, but yeah, they have the potential. The one thing I was asked on Sunday was how many of that roster do you see being in the National League next year? Because obviously the question was asked basically on the fact that half of the, ro- well, a third of the roster is players on two ways with the Wildcats, which we said at the start of the year was obviously interesting anyway. Um, there's some that obviously have come from Cardiff and some are obviously the local loyal boys, the Sharon brothers, the Hargreaves, Steve Osman as well. Obviously, I don't need names as such, but is there any, how many would you say of that Pitbulls roster could you see staying in the National League for next year? I mean, certainly a fair few. I, I can see a few of them, definitely. There's there's guys on that Pitbulls roster from the, you know, old what you would call the old school Pitbulls kind of players who, there's probably some who could hang at National League level. Whether they want to is another story. Certainly, I think some of the youngsters on two ways with Swindon will be there. Um, or who've been from the Swindon system, I think, for example, I would be surprised if someone like Loris Taylor wasn't there. I know he's not a youngster, but he's obviously come from Swindon. I'd be surprised if, say, Mason Lipsy and Jay Warren weren't on that roster next year. Um, Joe Llewellyn. Those guys, I think, will be there um, for sure. I mean, I don't really want to make, go around naming no. other names because I think, you know, that's not fair on the players and the staff. But I certainly think you could have, you know, maybe at least a third of that, that current roster would be, you know, easily capable of stepping up to National League. I think it's just they need the top end. You've got guys who at the moment, they're top end guys who would be depth at National League level. Guys like Loris Taylor, we know is a good third liner. Mason Lipsy and Jay Warren have shown flashes when they've had their opportunity in Swindon over Christmas when we had COVID issues. They look, both look pretty good. But it's, you know, they're going to need to make those kind of, they're going to need probably two imports. I think that's fair to say. I don't think you're going to see a Bristol team run without imports. Um, you're going to probably need a few bigger name Brits to come in and take those top roles. But there's there's potential in a lot of those guys. And certainly someone like Lipsy, who's been lighting it up for them this year at South One level, is going to be a really interesting prospect to see um, and see how he does. And I'd, I'd assume you'll be in Bristol. I mean, I don't know that. He might be. He might go somewhere else. But I would assume Bristol just seems a perfect, perfect place for him to take that step. No, I think I would agree. I think again, I'm not going to name names as players in this league that I can think of that I know travel past Bristol to get to the teams they play for, and I definitely think those are the kind of players that you need to be going after this summer and saying, you know, you're prepared to travel. Let's cut an hour off your journey. Let's cut two hours off your journey in some cases. Uh, and I think that's where they might be able to be a little bit uh, clever with who they recruit. And I I don't necessarily think this is part of the reason, but I know that obviously Swindon have announced three or four players already, if not a little bit more than that, uh, for next season. I do think there was an element of, and I could be completely wrong on this, so hand, hand on heart, I have no idea. I've not spoken to Aaron about this. But I do wonder if there's an element of once that Bristol announcement came out, there potentially could be rumours of Chris Jones, who obviously comes from Wales, going to Bristol. Well, let's that's already been ironed out. Like CJ signed, it, it, it stops that straight away. And I, I do wonder if there's been an element of that. Um, but 
you know, it is what it is. And I, and I hope Bristol, and I think they will get a good team on the ice. I think they're going to be competitive. And obviously the last finish, which actually is a bit more up to date, is also Bristol-based and Swindon-based as well. And it's not the happiest ever. We seem to like reporting on the sad ones. Uh, Tyler Perry announced as his season ending after Sunday's game against the Solon Devils as his cancer returned. Obviously, I know, Ben, in particular, you've spent a lot of time hanging around Tyler when he was with the Wildcats. You know him, I, w- I would say, well. Obviously, you get to know them a lot when you're on coaches up and down the country and all of that good nonsense. This is incredibly sad for him. I am absolutely heartbroken for him because I know how much he loves playing hockey and he is just one of the nicest guys I think I've probably ever spoken to in an ice rink. And whilst, you know, I wouldn't want to wish this on anybody, um, to, to, for it to happen to some of a personality like Tyler is, is just, is, like I said, heartbreaking. And he has all my best wishes for, for what he's going through. And I genuinely hope that the first game in the National League, Tyler Perry is on that ice with the Bristol Pitbulls team because, yeah, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's a, it's a really you know horrible bit of news to have seen. Um, we obviously, you know, people may or may not have been aware that before that Tyler obviously went through this during the pandemic. Um, you know, the first, you know, round of this treatment and, you know, was cancer free and then the cancer returns and now he's back in that position again. And yeah, it's a real shame. Some, you know, he's only what, 20, not 20 years old. And, you know, that's age isn't the only factor, but for someone like Tyler to be in this position is, it's a real shame. And it will be, it's a real shame that it's impacting on his career again. Um, He's been having a really good season with Bristol. Um, he's been one of the better netminders statistically in South One um, this year, and he's had a really kind of good breakout year at that level. So yeah, for him to have you know lose the end of that season, be out for the you know playoffs when it really matters is a real kind of it is a shame. And you've oh, I just you just hope that he's able to kind of you know fight the fight again, as it were, and make a make a full recovery in time for September, or you know get himself back on the ice because yeah. It's where we want to see him. We don't want him, you know, we don't want to see anyone in that position. Um, but yeah, certainly not someone with as much talent as Tyler, who, you know, does, you know, really, really, as Ben says, really love ice hockey and want to kind of make that progression. But yeah, all the uh, all I think all the best, our best wishes are with him for sure. It's one of those weird things, obviously, again, being there Sunday night, obviously no one knew. Well, no one outside of the Pitbulls team knew that that was Tyler's last game on Sunday. And particularly when the Pitbulls made their comeback in the third period, it, you could see that it was a very emotionally charged final 20 minutes. Like There was a lot of, you know, big celebrations. I mean, um, Steve Osmond scored the second one and basically went one leg screaming past the Devil's bench and got himself a 10-minute unsportsmanlike for it. And obviously at the time, you don't, Obviously, you don't know what the hell, what is going on. You don't know the circumstances behind it. And especially, we got to the end of the game. And I can remember standing behind the bench in Bristol, behind the bench, obviously, you hear Tyler Perry's man of the match. 
again, no problems with that. He had a blinder. As Tom said, he's been statistically one of the best netminders in Southland this year, alongside Chico Cole, alongside Tom Annett's, alongside Ben Clements. He's been in that kind of category for most of the year. I will say this, we, we talk a few months ago about why Tyler hadn't played for a month in November. We thought it was an injury, and it turns out that going on the press release that was put out, it was something to do with this. And it's one of those ones, you know, hockey isn't the biggest thing in the world, but you've got to think if he was available for that month, they probably would push Stratham a lot closer for second rather than the dogfight that it now is right here. But, yeah, you could tell it was a real emotional night, and Tyler led, obviously, the lap of honour around the rink at the end of the game and was visibly in tears at the end. His family was there. I could see Bailey. I'm going to assume it was his mum and dad. Obviously, I've never met them before. They were with him there. Um, all the people's players hugged him as they came off the ice kind of thing. So it's, it's one of the things, it's weird. When you, when I look back at everything I saw Sunday night after the game, with the context of it now, it's like, okay, that makes sense. And you, you do feel for him. He, obviously, he, I don't want to say he never really got a chance in Swindon. The problem is when you have Rennie Marr, in front of you, chances are going to be few and far between. Um, he backed up Ben Bounds in Cardiff for a while as well, so he clearly had the talent. As I said, in South one this year, he's shown he has the talent. It's a real shame that he's going to miss the end of this season. And as you guys said, it would be really nice to see him back in September in the National League, regardless of if that is starting off the season or whether or not he maybe is the backup for a couple of weeks while he just gets his feet going again, because chemotherapy is hard I mean I've got two grandparents who have gone through it for the last few years and you can see what it does to people it's not easy so for Tyler to be going through it now I know what that pain feels like and know what he'll be going through and yeah just everyone's thoughts here are with Tyler and we hope he's back on the ice in September so from one depressing subject to another depressing subject February so, about a month, I'll do, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll do the quick re- recap of what we missed anyway. Um, so the last time we recorded, we came back, it was a 4 2 win in Peterborough and then a 6 3 loss in Romford, which from memory serves got Tom very angry over a <laughs> dodgy refereeing call in that game. <laughs> then we had the cup semi finals against Sheffield, which ended in an overtime loss thanks to Andreas Valdix's goal, yeah, I wanted to say, yeah, in overtime, yeah. Uh, a home win over the MK Lightning, 5-2, which is always good, thanks to our small ice pad at the Link Centre. After all, it does only have less than 2,000 seats in it. Uh, followed up by a loss to the Leeds Knights, 5-4, and then another one on the road, 8-5. Two losses, which were the last two games that you two managed to go to together, 6-2 to the MK Lightning and 6-4 at home to the Sheffield Steel Dogs. Before a win over the Bees, 5-3 Saturday, a Phantoms and OT loss, which Tom was at 3-2. We'll touch on those last two in a bit more detail afterwards, but yeah, February, guys. That was rubbish. Yeah, yeah, it, it really wasn't great. Um, certainly, certainly results-wise, I mean, I think performance-wise, there were, you know, there were bright spots in performances, but just consistently bad results, consistent, you know, bad goals conceded, consistent wasted chances at the other end. It, it doesn't give you much chance to win many games. Um, certainly, you know, certainly the, the two games against Sheffield were pretty closely fought battles. You know, you know, two draws in regulation and then you just lose out. Um, Dimitri Zamostra made an unreal save in overtime on Thomas Malazinski. And he's the demo god. Yeah, he's a demi god. And he, he, he lived up to that. Having that in two really bad goals earlier in the game, it has to be said. 
Um, he let he came up big in overtime and made a huge save, and then yeah, Valdix kind of proved why he's there, having had a you know quiet couple of games, popped up with a big winning goal at the end, and it kind of just went downhill from. We we got the win against MK, decent performance, you know, professional job done, kind of wasn't anything spectacular, but got got over the line, and then it sort of just went downhill for a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, the games against Leeds. Ben was that I was suffering from COVID. The home game was mixed, and you know the physios had more of a workout than you know anyone else in the rink. That was the, the away longest game, game of my life. The away game we were heavily <laughs> outshot. Sorry. Wasn't that wasn't that game with the physios? Didn't that wasn't that about three hours that game in the end? It was ridiculous. I think we had a. It's about a fourth. The Matty Davies injury. The Matty Davies injury, yeah, where he was, to be fair, absolutely led on the ice, not moving for a good twenty minutes, half hour, and you know, yeah, okay, my best wishes are still with him now, but at the time, I was incredibly worried and concerned about what he was going through. Um, When we saw him rinkside at the end of the game, at that point, I was less concerned because. You know, he was obviously well enough to to not have been rushed to hospital, etc. And you know, you, you still wish him the best. But yeah, the, the time he was let on the ice, and yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen the stretcher used at the Link Center. And, and then later, and then later in the game, you, I was about you to say in the third period, yes. then Rennie goes down, and I thought, oh no, we're going to need another one because the stretcher from Matty Davis still hasn't come back. Yeah, Rennie goes down and is fortunately able to get off the ice under his own steam, but then gets replaced by Dean Skins in that, and then I think. Do Leeds lose a player to a puck to the face right at the end as well? So you end up with three guys. That was the next night. That was the Sunday. Uh, From conversations I've had with people uh, since then, I think he had about 20 stitches. It properly, properly uh, took him right in the the lips area, I believe. Sunday, I mean, Sunday, from watching on the stream, we had plenty of chances. But again, finishing... Just not very clinical, and when 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 it was, Sam Gospel was was there. And to be honest, yeah, we we again we say bad goals. Dean Skins has been excellent for us all year. I think he will put that one down as not my best night. Um, There were a few goals there which he would want back, to say the least. And when you, you know. You can't go and concede eight on the road. <laughs> or at home. You can't concede eight goals and hope to win a game. It's as simple as that. And then you go to Sheffield and you go to MK and you're 4-0 down after 10 minutes. And that's another chalk that one up as a loss moment. Um, and then, you know, you, you have a game against the Steel Dogs at home. And again, you concede six on home ice. And again, it was a couple of soft goals there. And yeah. Just well, that, not, not a good few. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but that Sheffield home game, we were tied with four minutes to play, just going on the power play. Uh, tied, no, with four four, four. tied with four minutes 22, and it was went to four on four. Yeah. And I mean, gave that's... up a, well, it says here a shorthanded goal, but it's not shorthanded. Yeah, yeah I'm sure it wasn't shorthanded. That was that was certainly. I mean, I spoke to Ben earlier about this just randomly, and we were talking about you know the months stats and stuff off off this. And one thing that has struck me in recent games is how we've struggled in four on four. 
it does feel like we've conceded a lot of goals in that scenario in the last two, three weekends. Even in the win against the Bees, we conceded a four-on-four goal right at the death. And okay, that didn't cost us anything because we were three up at the time. But it does feel like when we've been getting into four-on-four situations those last three or four weeks, we've been incredibly shaky and stretched. Not that we haven't been, you know, if you lose however many games we lost in February, you're shaky in all situations. And yeah, I think definitely confidence was the word that was going around the link a lot um, during that during February. And I think that is a fair point. I don't think performances were as horrendous on the whole as the results say, but I do think you could tell how frail and fragile the team were confidence wise in terms of, you know, just not being able to take chances and then just making terrible mistakes, poor decisions. Um, Even the winning goal for Sheffield in the league game came from a, you know, poor decision defensively, which left Matt Bissonnette with half the ice to skate through and yeah. Give, you give a guy that good that much space, it's going to be difficult for the goalie. Yeah, it's not been the best month. But then... And it is a shame. It is a shame because obviously we had been so good and we knew we were going to have a blip, a bad run at some point, but it's just a shame the time that it's come and also, you know, it has been an extended bad run. Yeah, and, and I think like you, like you kind of alluded to, it's been a little bit of a perfect storm everything that probably could have gone wrong kind of did at one point or another in the month of February. You know, we go to the the semi-finals where, like you said, in, against Sheffield, we, we played well for, to be honest, 120 minutes. Like, you know, it's going to overtime. You, you can't fluke an overtime in a two-legged game. And, you know, we're, we're into that game, and that's the first games this year that Aronel misses. And I'm not going to say if he had him, we'd have won, but it, it just adds to that, like, impact of it's the perfect storm. We get to the semi-final and we're missing the coach. Yeah, that, again, didn't help in that one. And, yeah, and then you, yeah, it's just, it felt like, it did feel like we were finding new ways to lose as well, which is, again, I think comes back to confidence. You, you fix one problem and then another one kind of comes. But it's what it is. Um, you can't, t- we can't turn the time back, but it is a, you know, it is it is a shame that we had to go through that spell. Um that well, we'll, we'll, we'll end the depressing section off with you know, we missed five weeks, we missed nine games, and in those nine games we were two, six, and one. Yeah, great, not exactly, not I've, exactly I've, the form that's going to win you a league title, as no. you know, has now been shown. I, I mean, I'm <laughs> gonna say it, I know we said this at the start of the show, I promise that's not why we weren't around for five weeks, just you know, again, happy, happy coincidence and all that. Um. But again, we go to this weekend and it's a bit more even. First off, 5-3 win over the Bees on Saturday night at the League Centre. Uh, yeah, it seemed like it was a good game by all accounts. Yeah. Tom, well, you, were the only, you were the only one at the game, Tom, so you may have... Yeah, so you, were, you were watching the live stream. I watched stream, the live stream, but live stream is not the same as in a ring, so... No, it's not. Um, no, it was a. it was one of those games that... Yeah, it was a solid performance. I don't think it was spectacular. I thought we were really good in the kind of first half hour of the game. We were only 1-0 up at the end of the first, and frankly, it could have been more. Um, Adam Goss, who I will talk about more in a second, made a few really good saves in that first period. He made one particularly good one on Eddie Beberis. And then the second period comes I'm sorry, whenever whenever Tom says, oh, I'm going to come back to talk about Adam Goss in a second... 
Well, there goes another fan base. It was nice well, knowing was you, Reese fans. Uh, I'm, I'm we'll see you later. Be, I'm about to be nice about Adam Goss. Um, so then the second period starts, and the Cats score, admittedly, kind of two quick goals. Um, one from Ballant Bogosti and a two-on-one with Aaron Nell, which, let's be honest, not the best situation to get yourself in when there's a two-on-one involving Aaron Nell. It doesn't really matter who the second player is. You're in a bit of trouble. And the fact that it's someone good as as good as Ballant just you know doubles that issue. So he scores. The Bees then take a penalty. It goes on the power play. The Cats get a goal washed out for reasons. <laughs> the, 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 I think the reason well, being be that Chris honest. Jones was the only player in the ring, the only person in the ring who realised the puck had gone in. Yeah. It was a bit Patrick Kane in the Stanley Cup final, except the puck wasn't in the net to prove it was there. And um, and then right at the end of the power play, on the same shift as that goal, the Cats score again, Aaron Nell on the backhand, having been literally left wide open in front of the net. So suddenly it's 3-0, and in comes... And Adam Goss is sort of stood there, getting called back to the bench, not quite being... not I don't think quite realising he was being called back to the bench as Wildcats fan favourite Dan Weller-Evans takes over. Now, obviously... I was delighted to see Dan get the game at the link. Um, he, he the last time he played, he came off injured in a, after a few minutes, so it was great to see him come in and get get a chance to play. And he was largely solid. He probably would want the two goals he conceded back. They they kind of both kind of slipped through him a little bit, but he also made some very very good saves. Personally, in my opinion, I thought it was a bit harsh to pull Adam Goss because I'm not sure there was really much he could have done. Certainly about the two he conceded at the start of the you know second period, as we said with. Bissonette earlier on. If you give a good player like Aaron Nell the freedom of the offensive zone to work, you're not making it easy for your goalie. Now, I appreciate you've given up arguably three quick goals, but certainly two quick goals. Maybe it was just a, this is a case of try to wake the team up by making the net mind a change and give, you know, hopes it gives the rest of the boys a bit of a kicking because I thought the bees were really poor in that kind of first half hour. Certainly not what I would expect for a team who are in a decent run of form themselves and pushing for the playoffs you know looking for that last playoff spot um but yeah i thought it was a bit harsh on goss i didn't think he really did that much wrong on the goals he conceded um but yeah the cats are then three nil up they get a fourth quickly after um Dwee comes in and then to be fair the bees get something going they get a couple of goals the cats under pressure the last 10 minutes of that second period and then the third period i think it was that that absolute you know, hockey cliche of the next goal is a big one because we're four to up going to that period. The bees get the first goal and it's four three, but as it turns out, cats grab it and five two. I didn't really ever feel we were going to lose that game from there. I think we did a good job of seeing it out. Um, so maybe we made a bit hard work of it, but overall, but I think yeah, solid enough. I think if I'd have taken the uh, the lead talking about that, my opening line would have been file that game under job done. It, yeah, like like you said, it was we did enough to win that game, and there is a bit of a cliche in saying it. If you do that every game you play in, you'll be all right. But yeah, I, you know, if we'd have played like that against better teams, it probably would have been a different scoreline. However, we did enough to win the game, and that's all you can really ask for um, when you go out and step on the ice. And yeah, I thought we played well, like you said, took chances early when early in that second period, especially which we've done quite a few times this year, uh, especially at home. It kind of feels like we've been 
not dominating first periods, but we kind of feel like, oh, we've chatted in the rink, Tom. I know you and I have, you know, when we're at the end of the first period and we said, oh, we're one up, we should be two or three here. And then within 10 minutes of the second period, we scored another two or three goals. And you think, okay, this is probably where we should have been. Um, yeah. But but yeah, we, we did enough to win the game and the bees came back well. <laughs> it wasn't a fight, but there was that momentum swing of Josh Martin and Neil Lydiard, which I think very much felt like they needed a momentum swim, a swing, and we've seen it before, and it happened. And- it did feel like um, it did feel like Josh Martin had spent the entire shift trying to fight someone. He didn't yeah. really mind who it was. Yeah, exactly. And you know they score afterwards, and then they get another another one back, and it is what it is. But yeah, I, I thought job done, job done. Two points in the bag, and I think after the snap of four on the bounce, that's that's all we needed out of that game. Yeah, and also a. Also, it has to be said, you know, I, I kind of said the game in Leeds wasn't his best. I think a solid performance from Dean Skins in that, and that would be good for his confidence, having had a bad one, to then come back with a good, good one in your next start and get the win. It's always, always a good, good thing. Was it also important, obviously, again, to get the win against a team that has come into a bit of form in the Bees? Obviously, they're fighting for their playoff lives at the moment. They have put a good run of form together, and notoriously have been a bit of a bogey side at the Link Centre in the last few visits. I mean, I was not petrified is the wrong word, but I was definitely hesitant about being, you know, you look at we're in a four game losing snap and it's been a while since we've been in that kind of form. And you then look at it and go, okay, who we got the weekend? Oh, we've got the bees. Right. Okay. Okay. We always play better against them in our place to be fair. But like you say, they have been known to be a bit of a bogey side for us and they're in good form and they're desperate to get in the playoffs. It would kind of felt like the recipe for an absolute, kicking on home ice but yeah just like like I know Tom and I both said this in the lead up to the game um, we just did anything we needed to get the two points I didn't care how they came even if it went to a shootout I wouldn't care as long as we got the two yeah. points yeah it was the it was the kind of much needed two points um, for sure I'm just going to, Ben, you made that one point there. However it came, I just wanted the two points. So you would have taken an 8-1 lead with, say, 17 minutes to go again? Uh, you know what? Probably. Because as long as we got some confidence in a win back in the locker room, I think that's all that really mattered. I came up on my YouTube recommendations a couple of weeks ago, just randomly. It just really made 40- me kind of worried. Did you have a spare 45 minutes to watch the highlights? <laughs> no, I did not watch that again. I, 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 I can't. I know, even though I know the result, I can't bear to see that again. Let's not chirp. I've said it before. I say it again. You weren't in the rink. You didn't watch it live. And I, I, I wasn't, and I still, and I still had nearly had a heart attack when I saw that it gone to a shootout. Have you ever actually watched the highlights of that one? I have. Yeah, I've watched them a couple of times. It's, it's interesting to say the least. Um, yeah, it's interesting because obviously, yeah, I wasn't at that game, and yeah, we were. You know, seven, eight, one up, and then I look again. Uh, half, you know, forty minutes later, and suddenly we're in a shootout. And yeah, like I say, I, I was confused. I thought I was looking at the wrong thing. If anyone ever says to me, "Momentum is not a thing in sport," watch that video. <laughs> yeah, that. one brings two, and then some, <laughs> and then seven. Uh, so that was Saturday night. Sunday, obviously, Ben, you still had COVID. I guessing you probably watched the stream for this one as well yeah but first but first let's go to our raving reporter tom graham on sunday night in peterborough yeah you know everyone's favorite 
road game, Peterborough. You know, I'm I mean? thinking that's your first visit there this year. Yeah, it's my first visit there since before the pandemic. Um, so it's not got any better. I'll be honest. It's not got any better. The ice is And thank you for listening, great. Peterborough Phantoms fans. We'll see you well, at some point. I, in the I, mean, I think Peterborough Phantoms fans, to be fair, know, like Basic Super Bison fans, know the strengths and weaknesses of their rink. And, you know, it's not in the best condition. And the ice is a bit thin in places, it has to be said. Although, although I don't think it was as bad as some of the photos I've seen from previous visits. I do think it was better to, then, um, certainly around kind of the benches and stuff. It looked better than it did from what you've sent me earlier in the year. But yeah, you know, Peterborough is a tough link to go to. Yeah, Peterborough is a tough link to go to. We have a mixed record there. It's been better the last couple of years, it has to be said. It's been, we've been able to pick up points a bit more, but certainly we've had some bad nights. I mean, the last time we went there this year, we got shut out, as Ben will attest to. That was a great yeah, night. I was, I was pleased with the performance, to be honest. And I think it was one of those games that, okay, we didn't win. And to be honest, I didn't expect us to win. You know, we've not been in great form. Peterborough have been really good at home in recent weeks. They've kind of got going since January, February time. Um, they've got guys back in the lineup. Are you trying to tell me they've won six in a row or something, Ben? No, I was about to, I was trying to. <laughs> I'm confused. This is not a video pod. This is not a video podcast. You've no, just, I was just holding your fingers to remind to you that me. we only have 14 skaters. Yeah, oh, right, I see. That wasn't very clear. You could have put it in the chat because this is a popular web conferencing software. It has a chat function. But yeah, we, um, yeah, we, and we went with 14 skaters, as was mentioned. So on, on Saturday, we didn't mention it. Obviously, Thomas Malazinski, Ben Neversell, both out. On Sunday, you can add Floyd Taylor after his Manor match performance on Saturday and Neil Lydiard to that. So you've turned up with five defensemen, one of whom in Sam Smith has kind of been up and down between us and the pit bulls this year. And nine forwards, again, one of whom, Ollie Endicott, has been up and down with the Pitbulls this year. So you've got a small roster, and you do worry going into that rink, particularly missing guys like Malazinski, Taylor, Lydia as well, all four of them. You, you do worry going into that roster, into that rink, with a bit of a lack of depth, maybe a bit of a lack of experience on, on the third line. Could be a tough night. But I thought we stood up well. I thought, you know, the two guys I mentioned, Endicott and Smith, really stepped up into those into that role. I thought Endicott in particular was fantastic and had a really good game, um, you know, filling in at third-line centre to replace Floyd Taylor. Um, he's been getting a lot more ice time recently, um, kind of probably more than some of the other young guys on the roster, which is a testament to how he's developing. But, yeah, I thought he was, had an absolutely fantastic game. Um, and we played really well and we deservedly got the point and arguably we could have got two. I thought the third period, we had plenty of chances towards the end to kind of to nick a winner. Um, great to see Emil Speck get one with a, you know, absolute ripper of a wrist shot. And it was always, it's always nice to see Tyler Blue score because, you know, he always loves it when he gets one. And the celebration was as big as ever from Tyler. Was it um, the off the back? Um, it might have been. <laughs> it was certainly a big one. But, of course, they cut to the um, replay on the stream. But, um, yeah, I didn't really see it. yeah, no, I thought it was a really solid performance. Really, 
when he was good, he'd probably want the second one back, which was scored by Will Weld, and he kind of it was a long shot on a breakaway that he just couldn't hold on to and leaves it there for Weldon to tap it in. But yeah, I think it was a really good performance. Um, yeah, it's a shame to lose in overtime. The problem with three on three is you end up with you know guys getting out of position, and we ended up with a two on one where the guy back on D was ML Shvek, and ML is has a lot of quality qualities in hockey. Defensively, might not be you know being the one D man back in a two on one probably isn't his comfort zone, and particularly when one of the two is Alish Padlek. And yeah, it just became a bit, you know, elementary the finish, and it was a really good finish from Padlek on the back end. But yeah, I thought I was pleased. Um, I was pleased we picked up a point. I like I say, I think we could have picked up two. We had a few chances in the last five minutes um, of the game, but yeah, definitely, it feels like we're turning the corner. I don't want, don't want to go and say we've turned it and everything's fine and we're back to where we were, you know, October November but it does feel like a weekend that's kind of started to make that turn. I think it would have been a weekend where there was a bit of a feel-good factor back in the locker room. I think, like you said, it was two solid performances from what I saw on the stream. Yeah, I I thought we played well. Um, there were times in the first period, I think Rennie kept us in the game, um, but to balance that out, I think there were equally probably the same amount of times in the third period that Jordan Mark kept them in the game. So yeah, I think it, was, it kind of swung from one, one side of the rink to the other. Yeah, we definitely started a bit slow, um, but we got into we definitely got into the game as, as it as it went on. Um, yeah, to do with that with fourteen skaters and you know a guy like Malazinski in particular missing from your top lines, it's a really good, really good sign moving forwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in my um, opinion. yeah, no, no, I agree. And again. Uh, watching the stream, I think uh, Phil Smith and the, the co-commentator's name escapes me at the moment. Um, they both absolutely raved about Ollie and Jack and Reed all night long. Um, and I think I can echo that. I thought that line was superb on Sunday. Um, and I thought they played. I thought Jack in particular against the Bees. I think I thought it was the best game I've seen him play for a while as well. Um, which is great to see those guys stepping up. And yeah, like you say, I. Do I think we've turned that corner from February? No. It's going to be interesting to see how we come out this weekend. Uh, the game on Saturday couldn't have anything more riding on it. Uh, <laughs> lose that game and hell for the league champions. So we don't want that to happen on home ice. So let's, you know, back it up. But and then you've got and then you've got a tough one on Sunday as well, because going to that rink in Slough and playing the bees there is going to be a different kettle of fish to playing them on home ice. Yeah. But you know. In terms of we Sunday, he says we uh, we said this at the start of the the year. If you're going to lose games of hockey, you lose them in overtime. And if you're going to pick up three points every weekend, then that's 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 not a bad form. And that's you know I think that's probably probably what we deserve from the weekend. We could have snuck that fourth, but we didn't. Peterborough played well enough. I think whoever won that game would have argued they were good enough to win it. And that's kind of where we are. So, obviously, with a three-point weekend, and as you guys have alluded to, this weekend is massive for other teams other than the Wildcats. And there is that sort of sense of crushing inevitability about what's going to happen at some point this weekend. Looking back from last weekend and this going forward with six league games left, 
how important could last weekend be in terms of flipping the momentum around and getting on a hot streak? Because we've all seen it before. The teams that can get hot at the start of March time and can carry it through playoffs tend to win Coventry. We saw it happen tons of times. I can remember Peterborough doing it, God, five, six years ago now. Guildford did it the year after. Is that the start of something that could be carried through to the playoffs? I think it is, as long as it's backed up by two solid performances this weekend. doesn't have to be two wins. I think we need at least one. I think if we win, if we put tons of effort in Saturday night, get the win, stop Telford winning the league, and then have a close one in Slough and get, get beat, I'll take it. If we get play well on Saturday and get blown away by a Telford team that are you know, for all intents and purposes, league champions elect at this point. Um, and then we beat the Bees on Sunday. I'll take it. I think what what would worry me is if we've had a good weekend and then this weekend it goes bad again. If it's a solid weekend, then this weekend's going, last weekend's going to have been massive. Yeah, definitely. I think, as we say, it's, it's the start of things. We've got six games, including this weekend, to go before, you know, the playoffs begin and slate is wiped clean for everyone points wise I mean I think it's a big weekend as well in terms of does it matter which group we're in for the playoffs no not particularly because it's going to be tough either way but either group is going to have good teams in it I think you still want to finish as high up in the table and get that momentum so it's a big weekend in that respect with Leeds and MK and Sheffield you know breathing down our necks and I think there is an element that you know, you, as a as a as a team, we want obviously the boys want to win every game. But as a hockey team, they don't want to see a team win the league on home ice. And the Telford Tigers are going to win the league. Let's not put no bones about that. They're going to win the league, whether it's Saturday or Sunday or next weekend. The Telford Tigers are going to win the National League title this year. But as you know, Swindon do not want to. Swindon do not want to see them. You know, celebrating at the Link Centre on Saturday, you know, gloves off, sticks off at the end of the game. You know, there is a pride thing for the players and, you know, an element of this is our, our ice and we don't want to see another team winning a, t- a title here. So that's going to be a big thing, I think, for them. And Telford winning the league, as predicted for you back in September by the Wildcast. Yeah, I think we did all have them at number one. Yes, <laughs> we yes, we did. Because occasionally we know what we're talking about. We might not seem it, but we do. So, this would usually be the part where Ben throws over to me to go over last weekend. Obviously, I'm not doing that. So, let's see who I'm going to pick to do it. Eeny, meeny, miny, Tom. Oh, no. <laughs> you're, giving me, you're giving me two, two, two areas that I have to... Um... No, no, no. Ben's going to do the other bit. That's his, that's his punishment for it. Right. But so, then look on the bright side, Tom. It means you'll be the first person to have done all three jobs so far on the show. That's true. Okay, so obviously, Saturday, we know we beat the Bees 5-3. We don't need to talk about that anymore. And he's beat... already failed because he's forgotten about the Friday night game. Well done, right. It was a Friday night game? Oh, yes, there was. So on Friday, <laughs> on Friday, the Raiders were at home to Peterborough. Um, and lose in heartbreaking fashion to the Phantoms. Um, a goal from Duncan Spears, 11 seconds. Oh, they take a timeout, 11 seconds to go um, in that game. And then Duncan Spears scores with seven seconds to go to win the game, four to three. Um, goals for the Raiders coming from. 
I'm not as good at this as, as you are, Joe. And Brendan Eilif with the first, Lucas Lakowski the second, and Ollie Boldock the third. Goals for the Phantoms. Peter Stepanek, um, Alish Padalek, Jarvis Hunt, and the aforementioned winner from Spears. So, yeah, I mean, that is a, I mean, before we move on, that is a big result for the um, that last playoff spot because if the Raiders get an overtime point there, that drags them back into the mix with the Bees um, to lose, to drop a point there with, or potentially two if you win it in overtime, but to drop points there with, um, you know, less than 10 seconds left in regulation on home ice is pretty gutting for them. Yeah, it, it's an advantage, Bees, but like you say, to have that lead and, Tom says heartbreak. The message I got Friday night was more hilarity than heartbreak. I mean, for, I mean, heartbreaking for the Raiders. Quite funny for everybody else when something like that happens to a team that isn't theirs. It doesn't matter which team, but quite funny. Um, quite funny when when that's not happening to you. Um, then we go to Basingstoke and Telford take another step towards the inevitability of the league title. A 4-1 win against Basingstoke. They take the lead early on through Andy McKinney. Late first period goal from Alex Roberts ties it up, and then no scoring until the first minute of the third period when um, Jack Hopkins puts Telford back in front before Scott McKenzie and um, Austin Mitchell King come in with a couple of late goals to seal it. A relatively comfortable on paper 4 1 win in the end, although you know the fact there's two late goals in there kind of means probably wasn't that comfortable, but another big step for the um, Tigers going to Planet Ice Milton Keynes and it's a close game there a 4-3 win for the Leeds Knights in Milton Keynes you know that small ice pad in MK really causing them problems there Sam Talbot Adam Laystrom and Sean Norris with the goals for the Lightning two for Kieran Brown which must take him up close to 50 goals for the league campaign now um, uh, one for Adam 48 Bar- I believe 48 for the league campaign two for the unbelievable season that Kieran Brown is having. One for Adam Barnes and one for Cole Shudra taking leads over the line there. Sam Gospel, three three saves on 39, sorry, three goals on 39 shots. And yeah, four on 23 for Matt Smittle who, you know, didn't have the best night and then things get worse for him on Sunday as we will discuss in a second. And then finally, Sheffield 4, Raiders 1 in Ice Sheffield. Tough weekend there for the Raiders. Um, the Steel Dogs kind of run away with it, really, with two early goals. Um, one for Matt Bissonette, one for Lee Bonner. And then there are goals for Andres Valdix and Jason Hewitt in the second period. Late consolation for Tommy Huggett, who's been pretty good in his first full National League campaign. I know he's a player that Joe was very you know, high on when he was playing uh, for Raiders 2. Yes, Ben? I'm potentially opening myself up for a 50p fine here, and if I am, I'll take it. Was that also a demigodless Steel Dogs? Yes, yes, it was. It was. It was. Miles Finney getting the win there. One goal on 31 shots. Uh, Michael Gray, four on 32 So for the Raiders. So, yeah, Miles Finney stepping in there with a big win. And Samantha Bolwell, the backup netminder for the Steel Dogs this weekend, with Demonstra out. So, you know, nice story that and good to see. I don't, I don't think it's her first. I don't think it's her first. I believe she's played this year with the dogs as well. Uh, it's her second appearance. She made an appearance when they had their massive COVID outbreak before Christmas and Leeds. Yeah. No, no, really good to really good to see her getting that opportunity. Um, and yeah, hopefully, hopefully she gets more of that in the future. 
Um, moving on to Sunday, obviously, again, we got the overtime loss in Peterborough. We know that. We don't need to talk about it. In Slough, a bit of a shock, this one. The Bees, you know, ex- because of the Raiders' double zero-point weekend, the raid, the Bees step in with a 5-3 win over the Steel Dogs and extend their lead in for that eighth playoff spot. Um, potentially a pivotal pivotal moment in that race. Um, these goals, come on, come on, there we go. That is loading. Getting okay, yeah, a loading screen coming up. Um, you can tell I was stalling there. Josh Smith, um, Yuha Lindgren with two. He was he. I think he got man of the match both nights up over the weekend. He had a good weekend. Alan Lack and then an empty net goal from Will Stead, who also scored on Saturday. Good weekend from Will Stead. Um, one for Andres Valdix and two for Jason Hewitt for the Steel Dogs. Finney, not so not such a good night this time around as he gets four goals on 21 shots. A solid display from Adam Goss um, returning to the bees net after being pulled on Saturday, three on 36 to get the win. Nothing um, that I'm aware of controversial in that one. Yes. Uh, you may have forgotten something small. I believe Ben had his hand up. He was going to say it. I was going to say, Joe, are we going to tell him or do you want me to tell him or shall I? Oh, you tell him. Um, also believe it was a record-breaking night for certain James. It was. It was. And I'd forgotten about it. I'm glad you reminded me. James Galazzi becomes the highest capped bees player of all time, I believe, was the record. I mean, he's been around a long time. He's been an absolute warrior for that team in more ways than one. Uh, he stuck through, he stuck by them through some really tough times over the years. And yeah, you know, fair play to the hat tip. You don't don't necessarily like the guy, and I know he's got under, you know, he's had his moments against Swindon in the past where, let's say, we've not necessarily liked his style of play, but you can't deny he's had a, had a great career, and I believe he's all he's, he's around. He's, he's really had a, in his, you know, whatever season this is for him, with the bees, he's having one of his best years production-wise. Um, he's really, I think, being, he's been spent a lot of time on a line with Dominic Gabay, which has obviously helped being on that kind of scoring line. But he's really kind of developed his game into a more kind of scoring role this year. Um, yeah. Let's face it, someone had to on that beast team. Yeah, yeah, that, that has been a, a flaw for them at times, is just not engaging the goals. So, yeah, fair play to James Galazzi. Anyone else want to comment on that while I wait for the next game to load? I mean, all I would say is uh, a phenomenal achievement. Um, Yet somehow that man is still not captain. <laughs> yeah. Not. yeah, I was going to say, he's counted himself unlucky, I think, is the word there. That's not a knock on Stuart Mogg, I promise. It's just, like, I looked at it and I, there's been times where I've been utterly convinced that Galazzi's the captain of that team. Yeah. Um, so then we move to Shropshire as the Tigers take the second step of the weekend towards a, the, the league title. They get a back-to-back win over the Bison. Close one this time, though. 5-4 win. Um, Tigers take a two-goal lead in the first period through Jason Silverthorne and Austin Mitchell-King and then extend that early in the third with a goal from the, you know, evergreen Rick Plant. Um, Bison do come back into it a little bit. Goals that coming in from Zach Milton and then a couple from the ever-dangerous Alex Roberts. They get... The, the, the kind of half hour to 35 minute mark of that game is incredible with f- six goals being scored or five goals being scored within five minutes. Uh, two for the Tigers, three for the Bison. Um, Tigers goals in that spell coming from Andy McKinney and B- 
Bailey Harewood, the ex-Bison forward, gets a game winner at 32-53. But yeah, no scoring after 35-59 in that game. Um, Tigers shut it down. Not the greatest night for Brad Dave, as he concedes four on 25 shots, but he gets the win. And that's all that matters at this stage of the season. Uh, Alex Netton gets peppered with 49 shots on net, five against. Decent performance from him, but he takes the loss. I reckon we could just cut that bit out and insert into every Bison recap this year. Alex Metham gets peppered. Yeah, yes. And then the final game, you'll be everyone will be delighted to hear we are in the final game. This this horror show is almost over. Yeah, Ben, do I keep my job next week? Please do. Yeah, I, yeah, please. Um, it's a big win for the Leeds Knights over the. Milton Keynes Lightning, and I promise this was at the bottom of the list on that on that game. I haven't just left it till the end um, to talk about. So, goals for Leeds, including three in the first period, coming from Adam Barnes, Cole Shudger, and Jamie Chilcott. Then one nine seconds into the third, through another a second goal of the game for Shudra. and then just over a minute later from that, Lewis Baldwin gets a fifth. There was a goal at the end of the first from Bobby Chamberlain, so it's it's 5-1 at this point, and Matt Smithle gets pulled. Matt Smithle gets pulled, having conceded five goals on ten shots. Yeah. We've said it before, when he loses, he loses badly, and this was one of those nights for Smiths. Um, Brandon Stones comes in, in kind of a losing uh, effort, um, kind of a bit of an impossible position for him. And he concedes one on 19 shots, the goal coming a second of the night for Barnes. Um, there were some interesting, yeah, discipline moments in this game. Um, at 54-12, Bobby Chamberlain gets two for elbowing and a match for headbutting. <laughs> Again, we've said, we've said lots of things about Bobby before and he's an excellent goal scorer, but you cannot take those penalties. Um even in a even in an impossible situation when you're five one down, six one down. It, it goes back to two years ago when I did the TV year things on NHL stats. I got a lot of stick for not having Bobby Chamberlain in my top twelve forwards list, essentially. And I said the same thing then, and I'll say the same thing now. Yes, as Tom said, he is a very good point scorer. Yes, he scores points for fun. He does, however, take too many stupid penalties. I believe well, he's way past the 100 penalty minutes now. I would be surprised if he's not the top penalty minute taker in the league. Yes. And, and it's for stupid things like this. He does it in games when the game's already been and gone as well. It's just it's, game. It's frustrating. And again, discipline is something we've talked about with the Lightning in previous years. Perhaps more than this year, but discipline. I mean, the penalty minute totals in that game. Leeds had four penalty minutes. They had two minor penalties. They had one roughing call, which was Sam Zajac, which was coincidental with the Chamberlain um, elbow penalty. Fair enough. And they had one penalty on Joe Coulter in the first period. He got a hook. Leeds had 51 penalty minutes in that game. And okay, 25 of that is Bobby's match penalty. They also get a 10-minute misconduct to... um, Tim Wallace at the buzzer, but they take they take one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight minor penalties through the game. And Leeds don't score a power play goal. 
but you're still killing 16 minutes of penalties when you're trying to get back into a game. Oh, and also yeah. worth noting that on the on the um, on the hook on quarter, Leeds scored shorthanded. <laughs> they took one minor penalty all game and and scored on it. Like it is just a frustrating night for MK, and they've had some recently. And I'm sure their fans are don't need us sitting, us Swindon fans sitting here saying what's wrong. But discipline is clearly an issue if you're taking that many minor penalties over the course of get over the course of the game. It's the same thing we've been saying all year. It's discipline and defense. It's the two yeah. things they haven't had all season. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um so yeah, that leads us to look at the table. So the Telford Tigers 51 or 60 points and almost there, literally one win away from a second consecutive National League title. Swindon back up in into second after the weekend. They're on fifty-one. Sorry, I turned, how are we still second after? The last it has been. It has been months. very much. It does feel like no one has really wanted to take on the mantle of trying to catch Telford, doesn't it? It's like you have second. No, you have second. No, you it's have like, second. It's not that year Leicester City won the Premier League. Nobody wants to catch Telford. No, we're all just going to fall over our own feet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Swindon second place on fifty-one points. Um, everyone in the top eight has now played 42 games. Um, Leeds are one point behind on 50, and then MK one point behind on 49, and then Sheffield one point behind on 48. So it's still quite a battle for that kind of second spot between really four teams. Little gap back to Peterborough, who are on 44 in sixth place. Bays and Soak on 40 through 43 games. Apologies, they've played one game more um, on 40 points. Then you drop down Bees on 31 in 42. And the Raiders on 28 from 43, their points adjustment, adjustment as it says, not deduction, adjustment as it says on the EIHA website, means that they are currently missing out on that final playoff spot by three points. And there we have it. That is where we're at with six games to go or five of your Basins Open Raiders. So Ben Callahan as CEO of the Wildcast Podcast Industries. Um Safe to say I keep my job. Can we talk about that pay rise now? Easiest decision of the night. Can I just say, as 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 someone who was thrown into doing that, I'm glad that's over. Um, <laughs> you know what? So are the listeners. But I would also say this, that when Joe threw that at you, I probably expected worse. So I take that as a compliment. Yeah, he, was, he, was, he wasn't awful. It's, like I said, I threw that on him, even though I did warn him earlier that I was going to bully him. Um, <laughs> don't worry, yeah. it's all done there. So this, again, would usually be the part where we do the news, but we're not going to bother with that because most of it is out of date by now. So I came up with a game that you two are going to play. This always Even scares worse. me. It's not that bad. So, the guy that knows what it is. Yes, you know, exactly. It's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> I'm innocent. Uh, this is called the Jersey Game. I'm going to give each of you seven players, and you have to tell me the player who wore that jersey before him. Oh, they are all current Wildcats players as well. So I'll make it a bit easy. So feel free to join in at home, um, play against a friend, do it, against, do it on your own and try and guess all 14. So, Ben, I will let you... Pick. I've grouped them into two different groups. That way they're not, you know, you're not all getting the easy ones or getting the hard ones. I've tried to mix them up as fairly as I can. Would you like group A or group B, Mr. Cameron? I've got to take group B, don't I? Let's be honest. B for Ben. B for Ben. Yes. So I'm going to give you the current Wildcat player. You have to give me the Wildcat that wore that shirt before him. I'm assuming it has to be. Yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. For 
for clarity's sake, I have taken out all blood shirts because let's face it, that they don't really count. So it's only the announced roster number. Okay. I'm these will start easy and will get harder. So you each have seven, and there is a tiebreaker in case. So, Ben Callahan, your first player is Rennie Ma. Stevie Lyle. Correct, like I said. Simple when you think about it. Tom, your first player. I should have made this like Tom gets the incredibly hard ones, but yeah. they're not that hard. I get the ones that everybody has been worn once. Balin Pukosdi. <laughs> Tom Graham. Reed Sayers. Lois Taylor. I like the fact it's that you two are so nervous. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's, it's stressful. You don't want to get the first one wrong. Now, if I get one wrong, I don't mind too much. But I, I was not get, didn't want to get that first one wrong. So we go back to Ben. Jack Goodchild. Adam Harding. Correct. Tom. Ollie Endicott. How effect the cop. Correct. Watch <laughs> <laughs> for a second. I was thinking, has someone random won forty-one in the last ten years in that in that intermission? <laughs> would have been so funny. Uh, ben, Dean Skins, Callum Buglas. Correct. Tom, Balint Pekosdi. <laughs> Couldn't think, but I think I've just got it. This is brilliant. This complete dead air for a podcast. Yeah, no, yeah. Sorry, no, I'm giving. I'm giving. I'm just giving people time to guess. You, you can give us your thinking as well out loud. You don't have to keep it internal. I'm trying to. I've got a name in the back of my mind, but I don't know. I can't remember what jersey he wore. So I'm sort of sitting, yeah. I can't think of. I'm going to have to go for it because I've gone blank. I've got to think. Jason Stone? Wrong. Ben, you can't steal, but do you think you know it? I think it was Alex Simmons. Because it was Alex Simmons. Of course it was Alex Simmons, yeah. I was, I, was right on, I was right on the line of Welsh defenseman. I just got the wrong Welsh. Def- I couldn't remember the number. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Uh, ben, Edgar's Bebris. I mean, I'm going to have to say it. Was it Corey McEwen? It was Corey McEwen. Tom, Sam Smith. Nick Compton? Incorrect. Ben, do you think you know it? Um, not off the top of my head. I could probably sit and think for five minutes, but in the interest of keeping the podcast going, I won't. <laughs> it's league champion and current elite league defenseman Joe Hazeldine. <laughs> you know the funny thing? That's a fifth. I have Joe Hazeldine's game on the jersey. jersey in that season. In my... <laughs> It's almost I have, as if I planned it. <laughs> I have Joe Hazeldine's game-worn jersey from that season. 
in a, my bedroom. Fine. Yeah, have you also that's not? Have, fine. You, yeah, I'll take have, that have you also not noticed I put Callum Buglas in the Ben section and he has yeah, his did. shirt as well? And also Corey <laughs> McEwen. <laughs> Funny. Ben. Kane Russell. Ben Davis. Correct. Oh, well, including streaming series then. <laughs> Yeah, I took That's a I, did, I, I just genuinely realized I hadn't actually asked that question about whether we were counting those. Tom, yeah, Sam Godfrey. I will, I will give you this one. I am not count, obviously, Godders did technically leave and come back. I am not counting that one. Yeah. Michael Stratford, correct. He's Michael Stratford. So there's two each, and it's five three. So Ben, you could win this if you get this one. We'll do the rest of them anyway. Is yeah, we will. Floyd Taylor. <laughs> I've got a name, and it's the only one I think I'm going to think of. Raymond's Danalix? Incorrect. Oh, Tom, do you think you know it? I will say, I will say this for you, Ben. There is one in between Floyd and Dan Alex. Uh, I, I don't doubt you're wrong at all. I just, oh no, I, I, I did check all of it, these I elite prospects earlier. As soon as I thought Ray, I just couldn't get past that. No, I can't. I can't think. It's James Knight. Of course, yeah. briefly wore 12, didn't he? And then yes. changed to 32. And speaking of shirts, you know, that people own or soon to own, Tom Graham, Chris Jones. Well, I have two of those, by the way, um, two Chris Jones jerseys. So, um... no, the answer to this is not then you. <laughs> Holly Betteridge. Incorrect. It's really? Owen, it's Owen Griffiths. Owen Griffiths. Owen Griffiths, of course. Again. Oh, didn't Owen, did Owen Griffiths? No, no, he wore three in Iron White, didn't he? Yeah. I, I, I didn't guess him for three either, so I can't really even use that excuse. No. But Ben, you look like you hate me. No, no, I don't look like hate. I, I, I'm glad you said Owen because I was convinced it was Ollie as well. Yeah. Uh, final one then for you, Ben. It's the testimony man, Stephen Whitfield. <laughs> I know this one. It has to be, surely, doesn't it? It can't not be. Is it, Ben? It's got to be Toivo Cersei. <laughs> That's because it is Toivo Cersei. <laughs> Tell them the story quick, Ben. <laughs> oh, what? The, uh, the jersey I bought about, well, I ordered and then, then he got sacked and the jersey then turned up to me wasn't it about three days after you ordered it yeah the jersey's in my collection somewhere hence the uh the laughing moment of it had to be because it's probably the only shirt i think was probably ever made wouldn't surprise me if it was his actual jersey and tom your final one just to save a little bit of face here because i know he will he does occasionally listen and he will beat you up for this sam bullis
I'm just going to put a cross now because I know he's <laughs> Jamie Hayes. I take my cross back. That is correct. Because <laughs> there was that one... There, I, I know this because there was that random few months where Bully wore 19 at the start of a season because Aaron wasn't allowed. And then when Aaron came back, they all changed their numbers. Yeah, so Ben wins 6-4. And just for context, sake, uh, the tiebreaker had gone to that far. Aaron Nell... Well, Sam Bullis. <laughs> it didn't wear it for the full season, though, because like you said, he switched. So who wore it before Aaron Nell? Um, I will say this. the season Well, it was before, of... before I started watching Swindon, I think. No, it wasn't. We had a 19. <laughs> during Aaron we Nell's... had a 19. Oh, no, I've... No, no, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> Okay, I'm kind of stumped on this one because I would have gone for Bully. Uh... So, so, again, I made sure to go through the game sheets for this. And yeah. at the time that there was a 19, there was no Aaron Nell because he was playing for the Sheffield Steelers. Sam Bullis was still wearing 13. And yeah. there was a 19 on that game sheet. And what makes it worse is I know for a fact that you two were in the building this night of the first game and this guy played. Oh, 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 oh. Was it Stephen Fisher? Nope. Damn it. <laughs> he was 20. He was 20. He was 20. Oh. Right, now, now, oh. now Tom looks like he hates me. Oh. Was it an import? Correct. Oh, I know who it was. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I remember now. Say the line, Bart. Go on, Tom. You are Sylvander. Correct answer. <laughs> So, yeah, that's the Jersey game. Feel free to let us know how you got on. Uh, did you know point. more Did you know more than Ben and Tom? I mean, uh, maybe more than me, because I was maybe rubbish next, at that. <laughs> and maybe next time we'll do it with other teams, because, um, or maybe, let's just say maybe, I know Ben shares a similar thought to me, there is a playoff finals coming up. We might record a quiz for beforehand. We're rather good at those, so it's only fair that we let other people have a go. How many days? Ooh, two and a half thousand. <laughs> Easy. Uh, but yeah, that's about it for this week. Uh, next week, we're back with, again, some, well, hopefully, unless one of us, you know, accidentally destroys the internet in the next week, which at the current rate we're going, it's probably going to be me or Tom. Um, next week, the plan is we're going to have a specially recorded interview with someone that i know ben is the lead on that we'll hopefully get that recorded and out for you by next weekend and then we're doing a weird one where we're actually all going around to tom's house (laughs) on the sunday and we're going to do a live record with all three of us together where tom can finally have his vengeance and beat us up well that's not gonna happen is it Let's face it, it might. You'll find a way. I need to think um, about how we're Yeah, going so that's to, what's uh, coming up. We've got, obviously... I was going to say, I need to think about how we're going to record without using the popular video conference recording software. All sit in different rooms in my flat. <laughs> well, that kind of defeats <laughs> the point. Have you got three rooms? Yeah, you do. You do. Yeah, I do. But um, no, we'll, we'll, we'll find a way. We'll find we'll a way. Do no, a it'll voice recorder somehow. It'll be fine. So there's that. Obviously, we've got the playoffs. We've got Hopefully more episodes coming up. I mean, me and Tom kind of half-planned to do a mini-series. We'll see if we can actually be bothered to do that by the time the season ends. And, yeah, that's it for episode 43. Tom, Ben, we're back. We are.
do I still have to do my part of the punishment? Of course you do, because what's coming up this weekend, Ben? Okay, so this weekend, Saturday night at the Link Centre, Swindon Bespoke Guardians, Swindon Wildcats against the Telford Tigers. And like we said earlier, Telford win, Telford are the champions. Let's let's try and make that just last one more night longer. Uh, 6.30 face-off, tickets are on sale now, stream tickets are available. And then Sunday, we make the relatively short journey down to Slough to take on the Bees in another going to be tough game. And this is where I'm going to own up and say 50p. Can't remember what time face-off is. I think it's six o'clock. I'm going to go with six o'clock and see if one of you two look at me and say, I'm absolutely wrong. Um, five o'clock. Five o'clock. Don't five turn, o'clock. Don't, so don't, turn, don't up. turn up at six o'clock. Please don't turn up at six o'clock. It's a five o'clock face-off on Sunday against the Bees in Slough. Again, tickets are on sale and stream tickets, I believe, are available as well. I believe the, the, the Bees are streaming as well. Also, just going to have commentary. Maybe I'm also gonna just do a little real quick plug. If you want to get tickets for Steve Whitfield's testimonial, please do. It was announced today that Jonas Hoog is coming back, so that's always going to be worthwhile watching. Um, but yeah, that's this weekend. Happy to be back after you know a month off, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, great. It's good to be back. Um, don't think we necessarily will be taking a month off mid-season again in the future. Let's hope. Yeah, hopefully, you know, by the time we're all back to normal-ish, then nobody's life will fall apart within the next few years, or at least have the courtesy to do it in the off-season when we won't record often. But yeah, that's the end for episode 43. Um, See you next week when we'll have two potentially episodes. Goodbye. (laughs)